This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Alex and Lisa of the Sober Experiment. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Hey, I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. Oh, where are you guys? We're just in the office, actually. Yeah, um, in Manchester, UK. So, awesome. yeah. That's so cool. So this is so fun. Thanks for coming on. This is great. I um, uh, You guys sent me your story, which was just super cool. And the things you're doing are amazing. So I'm so excited to, to share your story. So what I'd love to do is kind of just have you guys tell the story you sent over email, like tell it to me live because it's so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, um, so I'm Alex and, and this is Lisa and we've been um, very best friends since we were 11 and 13. Uh, we met through our parents. Um, our fathers, well, it's Lisa's stepfather and my father actually met years and years and years ago. My dad was um, a club singer and a pub singer. Um, and Terry, Lisa's stepdad, was just mad for music and just loved a good time. And they spent their kind of 20s, 30s and beyond, I think. I'm not sure exactly when they met, but quite a long time before we were born. Um, going out and partying and living the party scene. And that was just the normal thing to do. So we came along at some point during that, I guess. Um, and we were introduced through our parents um, following my mum's 40th birthday. And yeah, we just became great friends and we did everything together. Absolutely everything. To- and we still do, to be fair. Yeah, we do. <laughs> do you want to carry on from there? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Don't be carry on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I guess if we fast forward a little bit, um, we, well, Lisa's mum and stepdad owned a pub and I worked for them and we just became this unstoppable duo behind the bar um, and without blowing our own trumpet too much everybody loved us um, we loved them and yeah I guess everybody we met was drunk or drinking <laughs> we didn't realize that at the time though you know looking back now I think we had the pub so everybody we knew was a drinker yeah. and it wasn't literally until I stopped drinking I thought Wow, what? yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, we worked together and that we partied together, we played hard. Um, and before we knew it, fast forward, we'd had children, we'd had families, and although we weren't going out together, we started to do this kind of thing over, um, like, Skype, and we'd have our wine in hands, and we'd be having a good old moan about how stressed out we were with our lives and our children, and we were... We thought it was really cool that we could see each other while we were having a drink together apart. Um, we went through marriage breakdowns. We went through uh, the death of um, Lisa's stepfather first, then mine, and that was uh, they were both alcohol-related deaths. So we kind of had that in common. Um, and, yeah, it, it, we as we moved into our 30s, we got our lives back, so to speak, or so we thought, because our children were a little bit older, and we started going out again, uh, this time to kind of numb out a lot of what we felt were big problems, when looking back, they're just life problems. Yeah. Um, and we lost a friend, 
um, to drink. We lost two friends actually, um, but one very close friend, and that was a huge tragedy. She was far too young, taken through drink. Um, and then, yeah, we, about 18 months ago, Lisa called me up and said, I'm going to take a break from alcohol for 100 days. And in honesty, I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> How dare you desert me? <laughs> um, but I was also really excited for her because it was what she wanted to do. And I knew for a long time, in honesty, that she was ready for this because she was calling me regularly um, on the weekends, both days, and just in such a bad state of anxiety and regret. Um, and what I would do innocently is sort of excuse that and say, oh, don't worry, I do it. It's fine. It's fine. Not realising the inner turmoil that she was actually going through. So you can carry on from there. Yeah, of course I can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. She talks to me a lot. She's really good. <laughs> when I get nervous, I get out the talking for me. Um, I think when it came to me stopping drinking, um, it it is quite complex for me to go into um but I was having a really rough time I'd remarried and you know drinking was a part of what we did it's all we knew we met through drink we carried on drinking we used to have friends that came around at the weekend and we would drink we would go to their house and drink and I think we was getting to a stage in my marriage that we weren't really dealing with any, like you said, life problems. We were just kind of masking over everything. Um, I had three teenagers and my husband was a stepdad to them. So that on its own is just like really, really difficult. Um, and he was kind of unhappy in his work um, and drinking a lot more to kind of mask over that and then I was getting really miffed off with him that he was drinking more and trying to drink more to get on the same level um, and we ended up having um, separating at that time so I was kind of left on my own then with the three teenagers who were being very rebellious I won't lie so I was kind of living for the weekend and using drink as my escape so when it came to like Friday, Saturday, I was like, oh, I've been working really hard. The kids have drove me insane. I deserve a drink. Yeah. I deserve to go out and spend time with my friends and drink. And it just got too much. I was just waking up with anxiety, regret. Um, the kids were going wild. And I was kind of covering that up and not really realising how wild they were going. She weren't there, wasn't there from what you wanted to No, I wasn't. And I, I, I was running away from it and I didn't realise. And this kind of came all at once. And it's like when you say I'd ring Alex up and I'd be like, oh, my life was just going to pop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and something had to change. And then honestly, Annie, your book was, you know... Um, there were two books that I picked up and one was The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober and, and your book, which changed my life. It really, really did. And I'm just forever grateful for that. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And then, uh, so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I think what happened after that um, really kind of tells its own story because Lisa became sober and I was in we were still really good friends so like I had my birthday and Lisa came I was drinking she wasn't and it just really kind of um, set in that hang on a minute she's having a really good time 
without the drink here so why am I doing it um and and as I said in my story you know I then I had a miscarriage and I started to use drink to um, kind of anesthetize that. Um, Lisa, all the while, is still sober and she's coming over to me and saying, come on, I know you're going to stop, I know you're going to stop. And I don't know whether I'd given off those signals, but I had been thinking about it for a while. And then I just phoned her up, really, really hungover. I actually took a little video of myself, which I might be brave enough to share with you one day. Um, and it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, I, I, I mean, I was that ill. I, I'd poisoned myself, which I was doing every weekend. But of course, you just put it down to a headache or a hangover. But I really had poisoned myself. I was vomiting and crawling around and crying. And I just thought, I don't want to go the same way that my dad went. I don't want to die like that. Um, I've got a lot of life. I've got three children. I've got a beautiful friend. I've got a loving husband. And... I just don't want to ruin my life anymore. And I phoned her up and I said, I'm going to do this experiment that you've been doing. And I'm going to say I'm doing 30 days, I think I said. I didn't commit to 100. And she said, right, you have to read Annie Grace's book. <laughs> and I already had it on audio um, because I'd kind of dabbled with stopping, but I'd only ever kind of pretended I was going to listen to it. And then I put it on in the car going to work. And I phoned her up and I went, oh my God, she's just saying this. And she's like, I know, I know. And we just got so excited. And yeah, that was it. Oh, that's we did so it. Awesome. That's amazing. I love, like, what a cool sort of journey through your whole entire lives together. And yeah. um, in, when, you, when you wrote in, it was your story. One of the things that was like, wow, is that growing up, both of you, how, how interesting that you both grew up in pubs and you both like were fully drunk by the before you were 10 you know on a repeated <laughs> i know yeah. yeah yeah and they were accidentally drunk um but yeah nonetheless it happened because it was just so it was just so normal that alcohol was there mm -hmm. so i guess you know even when when i was drinking and when lisa was drinking you're more cautious around your children than maybe our parents were because they didn't know any different it wasn't bad parenting it was just the way it was yeah it was just normal and not to mention it was their livelihood right which of course kids are interested in their parents livelihoods because it's where they focus all their attention and you know it just makes so much sense so oh that's and I guess sorry and I guess we'd see them as well um like looking on the outside in it was as if when they had this magic liquid all of a sudden the fun happened so we wanted to try it and it we encouraged each other massively even early on i remember we thought we were great didn't we oh yeah <laughs> we did yeah <laughs> um and so were you in the same town for most of of your childhood and then yes kind of moved away and then uh, i also found that really interesting because i remember doing that one time with my aunt um she was in another state and we're like okay well let's have margaritas. So we just got on a video call and we had margaritas and I was like, well, this is great. Like, this is super fun, right? <laughs> and it was like, so interesting because it was like this perfect, it's not drinking alone, but <laughs> this is really interesting. I think looking back, that's really why we did it. So it didn't feel like we was drinking alone. Yeah. We could use each other as an excuse. And it wasn't just then, we used each other as excuses a lot. 
yeah, we did. throughout our lives you know we really did and we kind of encouraged each other but also like you said before we'd excuse each other you know I'd ring Alex and be like you're not going to believe what I've done and she's like oh don't worry about it I do that all the time and vice versa so yeah um, but yeah we grew up together we even moved to Cyprus didn't we oh, like yeah. not, not together Alex went first and then I followed <laughs> So, um, and even in Cyprus, I remember we went out for coffee once and came home at like four in the morning. Yeah. And it's been a recurring theme that, that, you know, we were both, we've both remarried since. Um, thankfully, we're both happily remarried. Um, but even going back, you know, it's over 10 years, we were just self-destructive even then because we'd go out and we wouldn't we weren't reliable we wouldn't we were reliable for each other but we wouldn't stick to anything we said to anybody so like you know I'll be home later and I'll be home by 10 it just never happened and and even with our husbands that we are happily married with thankfully they've forgiven us because we used to stand them up a lot didn't we yeah yeah we did we were unreliable and we weren't very present for our children for our husbands and I guess really we thought we were present for each other, but what we were doing is just excusing each other's behaviour and uh, perpetuating it. Really, you know, growing up in a in a bubble as well, you hear, and I don't know whether this happens over there, but over in England, you get a lot of people coming into the pub, and men in particular, they'll say to the wives, "I'm just popping out for an hour." Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows over here that that hour is not an hour; it's three four hours so I kind of took that on and thought I was really cool that I was a female doing that like I was rebellious going I'm just going out for an hour and then I'd be like nobody goes out for an hour really (laughs) so yeah it did make us quite unreliable it's interesting because I, I feel like that's that's a very sort of theme that I've been noticing um not only with my own drinking but also with like the thousands of stories that I've now been told is like there is some almost feminist like quality to it like okay well men have been doing this forever so yeah like why can't we like we're gonna we're gonna up our drinking because like why why leave all the fun to them right and and I, I find that really interesting and then I I just stumbled upon a piece of research a few years ago where it was actually um it was like a coalition of alcohol advertising agencies, right? And they were sharing data with each other and whatnot. And they'd actually identified women as an underserved market. So saying like per capita, women are not buying as much booze as men. So let's focus and target our marketing towards women. And then you saw the emergence of all sorts of, of, I mean, truly is a really good example. It's like seltzer water, but with booze or, you know, the wines that are like mommy's time out or cupcake wine or, you know, all of these very targeted at women brands of alcohol and so it's kind of like the convergence of those two things and then we've seen a huge skyrocket in women and drinking and it's it's kind of like it's all fed on each other but it is such an interesting thing because we think we're like claiming our our kind of independence and and rightly so but then come to find out oh wait we're just following in the same trap that they've been stuck in right yeah and I think that, I don't know, again, whether this is um, a US thing or just a UK thing, but there was a big thing in the late 90s and early millennium. There was the Ladette culture. I don't know if you've heard of the Ladette culture. We got loud, we got vulgar, we would dance on bars, we would, you know, we'd be boys in girls' clothing. So you still had the kind of femininity behind it. You'd like to wear a dress and heels and do your makeup, but you would be bolshy and brassy and 
and a boy. And the more boyish you could be and the more alcohol you could down, the more credibility you got. And I think we were probably right up there with the best of the ladettes. It's um, making me cringe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is, you know, it, it's, it's almost like you, were, you, knew, you knew what you were doing was damaging. You knew what you were doing was wrong, but you were proud of it. And, and now, like Lisa says, yeah, we might be kind of almost sounding like we're glorifying it. And we're very conscious of that because we did think we were having a good time. And because we've done both things together, we've, we don't hide the fact that we were like that. Are we ashamed of it? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, it was a time in our lives and we celebrated it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> with me, um, in like just the corporate culture. So it was a, a little bit different, but it was very much like, okay, well, I'm one of the only women that was at my level and it was mostly men. And so I almost had this like chip on my shoulder to prove. And I remember, I, I literally remember, and this was in the UK actually, um, we were all over for some meetings because the company I worked for was headquartered in London. And I remember everybody waking up in the morning, we had to be to the office by 8 a.m. And we literally stayed out because it's funny in the UK, the pubs close around 11, but if you're in a hotel, the, the hotel bar does not close. I don't think. No, <laughs> no I don't think they close all night. <laughs> and so we'd finally gone to our rooms at four in the morning. And then we were up maybe two and a half hours later. And I remember everybody like slogging all these all these men like slogging through and I'm like come on guys what's wrong with you like <laughs> and it was it was this definite source of like okay well if I'm if I can't do like I'm gonna just have to be proud of it because how else am I gonna you know make sense of of this because yeah there is some part of you that's like doesn't feel quite right but yeah I can really relate to that yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah so tell me more about I'd love to hear more about like after specifically like Lisa from your perspective when you quit and like went to Alex's birthday party and how was that for you you know what we was talking about this the other day because I know some people find stopping drinking quite difficult and going to things like birthday parties um, and I've got to be honest, I loved it. And I don't know whether it's because I read books so soon that my mindset completely shifted and I just really focused on all the positives, all the benefits. I was just loving it. I was on my pink fluffy cloud like every single minute of every day. I couldn't believe how much I was getting from being sober. So like going to Alex's birthday party was I just really enjoyed it I sat there I had a non-alcoholic beer and you know what because of our distance like what are we 40 miles yes yeah, about like 40 that. miles apart when I was drinking I'd probably might not have made it to Alex's birthday because it would have been a pain to either try and get home or I'd have been out the night before so it was really nice that I could go I drove there I went and bought a present and a card and really thought about it whereas I wouldn't have done that before it would have been a last minute thing like oh my god we're going to get her it's a birthday and I'd have made a big drama about it so it was just so lovely to be able to spend time 
thinking about everything and enjoying the time, enjoying the time with you. And then when everybody did start to get a little bit drunk and glazy-eyed, it was really nice to go, I'm going to go now. Yeah, which is exactly what she did. (laughs) (laughs) And then kind of popping my car and off I went home. And I remember driving home thinking, I'd never done that before. So I felt really, really proud of myself that I'd done it. And people were asking me questions, wasn't they? They were quite inquisitive. But I think that's a natural thing as well. When you are drinking and somebody says that they've stopped, I was always like, oh, wow. How do you live your life without alcohol? (laughs) It really intrigued me. So I love answering questions about it. I love talking about it. I don't hide it. I'm dead proud to say, you know, if I go to a bar, I'm one of the first people to say, I don't drink, you know. (laughs) I just like rile people because I'm just so proud of it. I love it. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. And I think it's so true. I, I actually um, was asked a question yesterday. So I get, I get readers questions and I, I go live on Facebook and answer the questions. And the question yesterday was um, like, how do you politely say no? And I really gave it a lot of thought because I was like, okay, well, I could give you a list of things to say. And then I had just literally two days ago read this um, this study and it was basically that only seven percent of communication is with your words the rest of it is with your energy right or with your nonverbal, right so whether it's energy or how you move or whatever it is or your look in your eye and i was like oh so actually reframing this question to it, it it really doesn't matter the words that come out of your mouth as much as it matters the energy you bring to it. And obviously, yeah. like Lisa, your energy is not only such that like is this like proud self-assurance, but there's no judgment in it. And so there's no defensiveness, like because as soon as you judge, you incite judgment back or defensiveness. As soon as you get defensive, you incite, you know, people to yeah, like definitely. on you. If, if you feel bad for yourself, people will try to help you out of feeling bad. Like you always whatever energy you bring to something, somebody's going to kind of mirror it back to you in some way. And if you just bring this like, no, this is awesome, then nobody can do anything but just kind of be impressed and be like, huh, no, I'm super curious, right? Which is <laughs> That's great. And yeah. so, um, Alex, and for you, when did you, when did you get really curious? And, and how did you guys start chatting about it? So I, I guess um, I, my curiosity started probably around the same time as Lisa's through our own conversations. And I, I, I don't know whether I sent you this in my story, but I'd had, um, we'd gone out, myself and my husband had gone out for the day. And we decided at the evening when we were going to have some, we were going to some food, a couple of drinks, then we were going to go back to the house and watch a film. And when we were out, we bumped into some of his friends and he said, do you mind if I go out? And it was a bank holiday weekend. And I'd already had quite a bit of wine and, not massively out of character, I guess, at the time, but I just went, well, you've agreed to come home with me. And he wanted to go out and I didn't want him to go out. We ended with an argument. He went out and I drank myself into an absolute stupor at home. And when he came in, I actually threw a sandwich at him, um, which sounds ridiculous, but (laughs) because I wasn't particularly violent, it just really shocked him. And he didn't speak to me for like days afterwards because he just couldn't believe that I'd thrown a sandwich at him. And... I said, what, what can I do to kind of make this up to you? I'm so sorry. And he said, you need to cut out the drinking or cut it down because you change when you're in it. Mm. So I guess that was the first time I really thought there's a bit of a problem here when it was pointed out, but I hadn't really accepted it, but I did it anyway. I kind of stopped. Um, 
and then within a week I found out I was pregnant so because I've, I've got three children and this would have been my fourth and because of I'd never drank with my pregnancies and I'd never found it hard not to do so I kind of took my eye off the ball and just thought oh well I don't need to drink now anyway I'm pregnant and then unfortunately I had the miscarriage and the first thing I did was went straight to the pub after the scan and drank and that went on for a while but the whole time I was in turmoil because I knew I wanted to stop and I was having these conversations with Lisa. I was desperately unhappy. It wasn't making anything any better. In fact, it was making it worse. And it was over probably six months that I was saying, I want to stop. I don't think I can. I can't. I've never even done dry January. I don't think I can. I can't do it. I need to drink. And the other thing in the back of my mind was before my dad passed away, he'd been sober for 10 years. Um, for medical reasons and and he'd really embraced it and I was starting to think well he was he was an alcoholic my you know that's how I visualize, visualize an alcoholic my dad was an alcoholic and he would openly say I'm an alcoholic he was a functioning alcoholic he was a wonderful clever man um but he was an alcoholic and I kept thinking to myself well I'm not an alcoholic so if he can do it I can do it and if he can enjoy it and love it I can enjoy it and love it so that was the seed sown and then maybe 11 months after Lisa had stopped is when I actually said you know what I'm going to do this uh, I'm going to really try and I woke up the Sunday horrific hangover and that was it I just stopped um, and in fact weirdly the, the first ever Monday morning I woke so the day after I decided to stop I woke up and the first thing on my mind was wine I drank on a Monday morning <laughs> but it was as if you know and Lisa then said you've got to change your mindset about this because at the moment you're going down the road of I can't drink and we need to get you to I don't want to drink or I choose not to drink which is where your book came in and yeah it completely changed my life and the bit that did it for me was the picture plant oh yeah that was it that was it, it was the bit I thought oh my god I'm drinking the deaths you know <laughs> it was it, it really did I know it's a metaphor but what a massively powerful metaphor and it really did change my life yeah that was um that's actually alan carr's metaphor and it's it's so so funny and funny story about that so <laughs> um when alan carr wrote that in his book um he used a fly and i was like well i think bees are cuter than flies and so i don't want to use a fly, <laughs> a bee. and then i actually got an email like a week ago from a woman who is an expert on insects and she says Actually, and this is so brilliant, Mother Nature is so brilliant, but a pitcher plant would not digest a bee because a bee is a pollinating thing and they need them to survive. So it would actually okay. distinguish between a bee and a fly. So <laughs> I just think that's so <laughs> But yeah, the, the metaphor is amazing. I mean, it's, it's so interesting to be able to see like, wow, what a perspective shift, right? Like to, to have that, um, it, was, it was incredible and just such a powerful one. And yeah, that's, that's so cool. So then for you, Alex, you know, going on and being like, all right, well, now this is, this is the new me. How was it for you showing up at, at um, gatherings where people were still drinking? Um, well, within four days of me stopping, I had a wedding to attend. And I, it was really difficult, actually. I was, I was the opposite of Lisa because I, I did struggle at the beginning. Um, and I struggle because of my mindset, and I know that now because I don't struggle at all anymore. And it's not the—it's not necessarily the addictive um, kind of the, the period of addiction wearing off. Um, it really is the fact that now I've, I've swayed the way I think. 
But yeah, at the beginning, I went to the wedding and I ran away at least three times to call Lisa and say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. They're, they're pouring wine and everybody's looking at me and I'm getting asked really difficult questions. And Lisa said, look, oh, and, I, oh, and that was it as well. And I, and I want to dance, but I feel silly. And Lisa said, look, Alex, do you think that anybody there is going to remember whether you danced or didn't dance now at this point? And I was like, oh, well, maybe not. And she said, just get your backside on that dance floor and shake one out. You rubbish at dancing, whether you're drunk or sober. So go and just make a fool of yourself. So I was like, oh, she is as well. <laughs> I am a bit of a mum dancer. But yeah, I am. Um, yeah, so it, I did find it difficult. But also I'm really lucky because my husband, um, who can control the way he drinks as it stands, you know, he, he probably drinks maybe once a month and maybe two or three drinks on that occasion. But to help me, he stopped at the same time and he said he'll do a year with me. So um, I had his support at the time. I had my running away to the toilet to phone Lisa every few hours. And yeah, it, I, I would say I survived for the first 30 days um, and then I started to live. I, I found maybe up to day 60 quite challenging, days 30 to 60 the worst because at that point I became kind of, what am I doing this for? And, and my life took quite a turn as well. I had quite a lot going on. But once I passed maybe 60, 90 days, yeah, I, it was, it's easy. I find it easy. And that's, and I'm not trying to undermine anyone else's challenges because I know some people find it really hard. Um, but I guess we're just lucky that we motivate each other. We, we have down days and thankfully, up to now, they've never been on the same day. No, they haven't, <laughs> luckily. So we, we have got each other to depend on. That's so great. So great. Yeah, I think that the, the mindset shift is so key. And I feel like it can really, people do it two ways, right? And, and one is they stop and they, they feel the discomfort of it. And then they go through the mindset shift. Or one is they go through the mindset shift while they're still drinking, which is what I did. And then when they stop, it feels like very different. And I think that both ways are totally valid. Um, but that's really, that's really interesting. So, and now um, you guys have kind of gone on to do some really cool stuff. So why don't you tell me about that, where things are going these days? We're really excited about this, aren't we? Because um, it started really small and it's kind of snowballed into a million different things. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to go first with... Well, yeah, we, yeah okay. <laughs> we, um, so the first thing we did was we, we put together a little Facebook page and it was just a little Facebook page where we, we just, it was just us sharing our thoughts and ideas. And then we started to realise that we were generating quite a bit of interest. So we, we opened up a Facebook group, which we still have. It's, it's quite a small uh, support group. And yeah, it's just all sorts of sober curious, sober people, um, even people who are still drinking, in there, chatting all things sober. And, and, and we pop in there and do lives and um, we try to help people who've got questions. And that, that became quite successful, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and then we decided we'd try to put together, we did some coaching qualifications, um, diploma in coaching, and we got accredited. And... We put together just a small, we, we weren't going to go big with the coaching. This was just to make sure that we, we were giving the right advice and we were able to use the right models. Um, and we put together kind of a 30-day email package uh, with a workbook and a few videos. And we just launched that. Just launched that. And that they're just like two to three minute videos. You can do the next the bit we're most excited about. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> These two bits that we're most excited about. Uh, the other one is the workplace presentations. So 
I love talking about being sober and there's so many things that I wish I'd have known beforehand because I do believe that we are fooled into um, drinking a lot of the time. So we kind of wanted to talk to other people and let them know that they're being fooled too, really, <laughs> the nicest possible way. So what we do is we go into workplaces and we do a, a short presentation, kind of interactive, it's fun. You know, we get to talk about what people have been up to when they have been drunk. Um, and then we put a bit of a spin on it, don't we? And just to get them really, really thinking about their own drinking, the effects that it's having on them, on work, on the people around them. Um, and we encourage them to do a 30-day challenge all together as a workforce, which is just fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. they all can do it together. They can all support each other. Um, yeah, and that's going really, really well. Yeah, and it's got all that well-being and um, kind of mental health side to it as well. So the employers are saving money. A lot of money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of money. It's like £7,000. For every 10 employees, £7,000 is what the UK economy kind of spends on hangover days So in a year. Wow. So, wow. yeah, so, so for every 10 employees they've got, they're saving £7,000 a year. And the idea is that, as you know, you take 30 days off and that has a lasting effect um, for six months to a year. So that's that's one side of it with the mental health, the well-being. And the other side is the team ethos bit because they're all doing it together. Yeah. Well, and do you know what was just found out actually that some places especially in manchester where yeah. we're from they have um, what they called fridge free fridays so a lot of companies fill the fridges up in the offices with beer wine spirits and they can just go and help themselves to these drinks on a friday we, shocked, we was like what yeah awesome. And then the other bit. And then the other thing that we've done is we've just... <laughs> this is an accident, Annie. This was an accident. This is complete accident. But we're doing a UK tour. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. what we're doing is we're, um, we're going around. We've got our first one booked in London, yeah. haven't we? In Notting Hill. So we're, we'll be going, doing mocktail making. Um, a panel, you know, we've got a few special guests coming to that as well. And just a meetup really for sober, sober curious, just so they can ask us questions, have a chat, all have some great food and make some mocktails. Yeah. That's where we're at. And we've got our podcast that we've launched as well. Oh yeah, is... yeah. So I forgot about that one. We've been busy. We've been very busy. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. That's so great. I love, love, love the workplace presentations. I have um so the alcohol experiment, I, I just have this idea to do uh, it, like workplaces and also like universities so that, you know, incoming classes get together and go through that sort of thing. So it's just awesome. That's so exciting. That's super cool, you guys. Well, congratulations. So where can people find you if they want to find you? <laughs> we've forgotten no, no, we, we haven't <laughs> so um, they can go on our website um, which is www.soberexperiment.co.uk um, or they can search us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube iTunes, all under Sober Experiment um, yeah and we just want to say as well it's really important that you know this that the vast majority of what we're doing is thanks to your influence so we're really grateful 
That's so beautiful <laughs> to see it like um, taking off and, and just, that's just amazing. I love it so much. Um, so let me ask you the question that I always ask at the end of the podcast. And of course, you'll both have to answer this, but that's really, you know, if you were going to go back and, and talk to yourself, so go back and, you know, talk to maybe Alex who had that hangover or talk to Lisa who is just feeling like her teenagers were getting the best of everything and things were going crazy and, and tell them about what life is like now, what would you say? I would say that life has its ups and downs, no matter what. And you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have sad days. You're going to have happy days. When you drink alcohol, every day pretty much feels level. And yeah, you might have extreme sadness now without it, but you also have extreme joy. So go for it. That's what I would say. That's awesome. I think I'd just tell myself that I could do it, that I was strong enough to do it because honestly it was a really really difficult time and I think I just I, I really did need the me now to say you know what Lisa you can do this you don't need a drink to do it you are you are pretty amazing on your own oh, I can probably, that she is pretty amazing <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful Oh, I love that so much. Well, thank you guys so much. It's just been a joy, you guys. I can see the life in you. It's just like exciting. It's amazing. And I can't wait to see where this goes. It's just incredible. Thank you, Annie. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Yeah, it's been wonderful. All right. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Thank you, you Andrew. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Have you tried the alcohol experiment? Okay, if not, drop everything and go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash experiment. This free 30-day challenge is designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You remember it was that version of you that's living your most joyful life, the version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or to have a good time and is having more fun than ever. And again, this is a totally free challenge that will change everything for you. So learn more and join me 100% free at thisnakedmind.com forward slash experiment. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.